years ago, I reached out to John Acuff because his book, Do Over, actually encouraged and somewhat inspired me to make a big change in my career. It, cert- it was a great reminder that your right now doesn't have to be your forever. And you can start over, you can do over whenever you like. It's truly something that, that changed my life. And I reached out to him to tell him thank you for that. Turns out he used to live in Atlanta. He li- listened to me on the radio when he was here. And from that exchange, we became friends. So a year or two ago, we were catching up and he told me about his latest book idea, a book all about overthinking and how to overcome overthinking. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I think John Acuff is writing books just for me. He didn't have a name for it, didn't have a title, didn't really know what direction it was going to go, but he was just starting to research a book about overthinking. So fast forward to now, his book is out and it's called Soundtracks. And as you'll hear in this conversation, he explains that the reason people overthink is because in the back of their mind, there's always a soundtrack running, telling them the way it should be, what they're doing wrong. And if you change your soundtrack, you can minimize overthinking. This conversation with John Acuff is going to have a little nugget of information, three questions that you should ask yourself that I think is going to change some people's lives. It's really incredible. So enjoy this conversation with John Acuff, my friend, John Acuff. Um, I'm so appreciative of uh, of him for coming on the podcast and talking about his brand new book, Soundtracks. upside means living in gratitude, finding the positive in every experience, and helping other people do the same. You are now part of the movement. Welcome to a bonus episode of The Upside with Callie and Jeff. Remember you and I met, I think at a Starbucks, right as you were embarking on the journey of this soundtracks book. I don't even think you had a name for it, right? You just... No, I didn't. You just, at that time, you just told me that you were going to do a book and you were going to do the research and put a book together about overthinking. And here's what I don't understand. Evolution would require us to survive, to not overthink, right? Like you don't, if a million years ago, if there's a, if there's a, you know, tiger about to attack, you don't have time to contemplate all of your options. You just survive. So why now, why do we live in a world where every single decision I feel like that I make, I analyze, you know, what is it? Analysis to paralysis. I can't not overthink. What happened? Why is that the world we live in? Well, I mean, I think some of it is we still have the same brain. So we, you know, if we have a brain that's wired to perceive a saber toothed tiger that's going to kill us. We sometimes overanalyze situations as if they're dire. We have gigantic emergency buttons. You know, the Staples button, like that was easy. Yeah. We have gigantic, it's an emergency button. Um, and and the brain the brain isn't super helpful that way. Um, it does a couple of things. I, I kind of always joke that your brain's kind of a jerk. 
Um, it does a handful of things that aren't helpful. It distorts your memories using what's called flashbulb memories. So over time, your mem- memory changes, it stretches, it adds details that aren't true. Um, it confuses fake trauma with real trauma. So they've done all these studies that even in a like test where the participant knows this is just fake trauma, the body releases real opioids, like the same that it would if you were getting hit in the face with a brick. Um, and then the third thing it does is cognitive bias, where it tends to believe what it already believes. So if you got fired 12 years ago from a job, and this is somebody I was talking to the other day, they said, I still now, if I see the door close in my office, it's not invited to, I think, oh no, I'm about to be fired. 12 years later, because the brain goes, this could be it, this could be it, cognitive bias. It believes that's, what it already believes. That's so true. That That's such a workplace such a common workplace thing where uh, that just the phrase, can I see you in my office after oh, lunch? Yeah. Forget it. Yeah. Let's talk Monday. Let's talk Monday. And they say it to you on a Friday, your weekend is shot. Yeah. Your weekend is shot. And they could be like, Hey, we got this file on the Johnson report. I'd love to just check in with you. And you're thinking like, this is it. I kind of call that like principal office syndrome where you're like, when you're interpreting things like that as if they were over the loudspeaker, you're in seventh grade and you just got called down. Um, so I think that's part of why we overthink. The other thing, Jeff, you have to remember, we just went through 2020. Yeah. So I asked, you know, I, I have a researcher that I work with, this guy named Mike Peasley, he's a PhD, he's a genius. And we asked 10,000 people if they struggle with overthinking and 99.5% of them said yes. Um, so one, like that's good news in the sense of everybody thinks they're the only one, you're not the only one. And then, dude, we went through 2020. And what I've been telling people is the reason you overthink right now is everything is a an example that would be somebody wanted to shake my hand the other day. And I, I right before I did, I was like, oh, no, should I say no? Is it rude to say no? Will he be mad if I say no? What if I give him my elbow? What if I give him a fist bump? What right. if I shake his hand? But then I immediately dump my whole arm into a vat of hand sanitizer and say, sorry, sir, I need to wash off this deadly pandemic you just tried to murder me with. <laughs> oh, no, is this a handshaking event? What does that say politically? What's going on here? And like, do you know what I thought two years ago when somebody tried to shake my hand? I shook their hand. Now everything has a layer of extra thinking about it. So I would obviously rather release this book in a year where I could do live events. I'm a live event speaker. I go to companies around the world. That would make my job way easier, definitely. But I'm also excited now that I think there's a lot of people that need this book because I think we've had a like 2020 was catnip for overthinking. Yeah, it totally. And and it's not and nothing about it is going to go away anytime soon because all those questions I've experienced what you were just talking about with the handshake and it's it, you're going to get invited to your first birthday party or your ver you know your first bar or your first whatever and you have to process not only your safety but the perception of it everything oh yeah yeah can I post this will people be mad at me that I went you know, we, we tend to lean toward overthinking in general because of how our brains are structured. And then you add a year like 2020 and it's a, it's an epidemic. So to, to go back to the original question, all we've done because we live in a safer world where a tiger is not going to appear and start chasing us down and, and want to eat us. So we live, I hope in, not. We, we hope one would hope that won't happen. So we live in a safer, more structured world with, which means we've got to apply that ener- that fight or flight energy to everyday decisions, which is which then causes chaos because it's it's silly. Which we're not good at. 
which we're not we're good not at. Good at. So uh, the, and the, the problem is we don't think about it. Most people don't understand they can choose their thoughts. People think a thought is something they have, not something they own. Like even my most type A friends who lay out their clothes to the gym the night before to make sure they go, don't choose their thoughts ahead of time. They rarely go, got a big negotiation that is coming up. I want to make sure these are the three thoughts that I'm listening to during that negotiation so that it goes well. Because I got screwed in a business deal five years ago, and now I have the tendency to think I'm about to be screwed in the next one, and I don't want that thought playing. What are some better thoughts? So can you train your brain to respond to the stuff that's happening now the same way your brain would have responded back in caveman years when you saw a tiger? Can you, can you? A hundred percent. I mean, your brain, like we, we have the good fortune of living in the age of neuroplasticity, which is this idea that you can physically change the structure of your brain. Like our parents' generation didn't know that. Um, we know about neurogenesis, this idea that you have new brain cells every morning that are just waiting um, to see what's going to happen. And so, yeah, you a hundred percent can say, okay, I'm going to work on this. I'm going to change how I think. And that's going to change my actions, which changes my results. Um, I wouldn't say it's like, it's not overnight. Um, I think there are some cases where we've all had a moment where we thought we knew everything and then we find out some detail and it changes how we see a situation. So I think there are examples where a new thought can change something dramatically quickly. But I think there's other times where you thought you're the worst mom for five years and it's going to take some time to go, no, I'm not going to listen to that. What I would call a broken soundtrack. A soundtrack is just my phrase for a repetitive thought. Yeah. And instead I'm going to work on listening to a new soundtrack and I have the permission to do that. And I have the power to do that. And once you discover that, um, it can change everything. So have you personally altered any of your soundtracks? A hundred percent. Like, I mean, for me, I mean, we, we share Atlanta, we have Atlanta in our, in our, in our background. So 2008, I've hit a career ceiling. I'm stuck. There's nowhere else for me to go with this job. My wife is kind of stressed because she's like, wow, that's, that's really early to hit a ceiling. Like you would hope that like you hit one when you're 50. Yeah. Like I got there fast and I was like, oh no. And I start writing this blog and I get invited to speak at an event um, and I didn't even know people did that. I didn't know you got paid for it. I didn't know how to do that. All I had was one tiny new soundtrack, which was, I think I can be a public speaker. Like, I think I can do this. And so I start leaning into that thought. I throw overwhelming action at it. It's not enough just to think something new. You have to have new actions. And that thought starts this journey where it moves me to Nashville. I hit the New York Times bestsellers list. I get to travel the world as a public speaker. It was by no means overnight. And I'm not the only one. There's that's that, you know, my new book opens up with a story by this woman, uh, Colleen Berry, who lost her job during the dot com bust. She was a documentary film uh, uh, maker and she had to take four jobs to figure out how to survive. And one of them was a receptionist. And she decides, I'm going to change my soundtrack. I'm not going to accept blame or resignation or fear or entitlement. I shouldn't have to do this job. I was in con a year ago. She says, I'm going to create the best customer experience in this lobby. And she does that and she changes her soundtrack and she's now the CEO of that company. And of course it wasn't overnight, but the thought changed their actions has changed their results. So yeah, I've done that in my own life. I'm still working on it. I don't, you know, I haven't arrived. There's, there's, you know, the more you do this, the more you start to go, wait a second. Why did that? Why am I listening to that soundtrack? That's not a soundtrack that I want in my life. I'm going to switch that. I'm going to work on that. I'm going to grow that. You know, for me, 
a lot of people, a lot of your listeners want to write books because that's what everybody wants to do, but they don't think they're a real writer. And that's a broken soundtrack. I'm not a real writer. I'm not a real writer. For me, my version of that would be like, I'm not a real CEO. I've got all these business opportunities that I feel like, oh, but I'm not a real CEO, like real CEOs. And then I come up with this list of fictitious things people do. And so going, no, I am a real CEO and I'm, I'm a young CEO, but I can get better at it. And here's what I'm going to do. That's an example of me switching a soundtrack. And then how do you disrupt? Because I've talked about this on the show, actually, on our podcast quite a bit. Because we've, we've gotten some really great recognition. We have so many terrific listeners. We've, as a community, we've done these over-the-top, amazing philanthropic endeavors that, that have been I mean, re, re, the impact that we've had on community on the communities that we've worked with has been tremendous. We've been number one on this podcast magazine Hot 50 chart for nine consecutive months. For me, my soundtrack that I'm actively trying to interrupt and I'm stuck on is, I think we're just getting lucky. I think, yeah. I don't think... I'm really good at this. And here's like, I'm going to say something to you that I would have struggled saying probably a year ago, but I've been working really hard on this and maybe even for two years and it's still tough, but every radio show that I've been a part of, including the one that I got fired from has had some tremendous amount of success that has my thumbprint on it. This podcast that is only my wife and I, and most of the creation ideas are mine, obviously has my fingerprints all over it. Yet my soundtrack still has the word lucky in it. How do I interrupt that? Not interrupt it. Well, I mean, I, how do I, how do I mute it and put a whole new soundtrack in its place? I mean, I think there's a couple ways you can do it. Um, I think one, the, the three questions I tell people to ask when it comes to a broken, loud soundtrack, not everyone, you have too many thoughts. Who has the time to interview every thought they have? I'm saying the loud ones, the big one, the boom boxes, if you will, if I can admit I'm from the eighties, huh. but I ask three questions. Number one, is it true? Is the thing, is the story I'm telling myself about myself true? Is it true? Um, number two, is it helpful? Does it move me forward or hold me back? And number three, is it kind? Um, if I said it to a friend, they still want to be my friend. And I think if you can't answer yes to those three questions, I think you might say, you know what? I want to install a different soundtrack because I don't like telling myself things that aren't true, that aren't helpful, that aren't kind. So in this particular situation, I go, if you're telling yourself you're just lucky, I go, is that true? Well, nine months in a row, like, I don't know anyone who's won the lottery for nine months. Yeah, I, I just I just feel like statistically, mathematically, that's just not possible. Is it helpful? Um, does it you know Does it make you feel good? Does it make you feel bad? Does it make you feel courageous? Does it make you feel scared? And the last one is: Is it kind? I don't think it's kind. I think what's interesting is, I think that there's a chance, and you know we we haven't talked a bunch about this, but I think there's a chance that what you're really thinking about is. If I admit it's going well, if I admit I'm good at it, I'll lose my edge. And so thinking that it could go away any day is what gives me my edge. And I got to maintain that. I like, I see high performers all the time that don't tell themselves the truth because they're afraid if they tell themselves the truth, they'll get lazy, they'll lose their edge, they'll coast, they're whatever. 
So they say like, no, it could go away any day. It could go away any day. And I do the same thing. That's why it's so familiar to me. So I, I would be curious if there's some of that going on. You know, um, I'm, I'm sure there is. But what really struck me about what you said is the last question about asking yourself about your thoughts. If you called me up out of nowhere and we were just getting and we went to Starbucks again and I said, what's new? And you said, since the last time we've been to Starbucks, I've been number one on the New York Times list for nine consecutive weeks. I would never in a million years say to you, ah, you must be lucky. Yeah, of course not. I would be like, what are you talking about? I'm working my butt off. That's like, so, exactly. it's such a rude statement. Yeah. So then, then you go, okay, well, why am I okay with Jeff telling Jeff that? Right. And then you got to go, okay, like maybe I shouldn't be, maybe, maybe I shouldn't be okay with that. It's such a ridiculous, like I'm almost laughing at the thought of, of, of anybody else who, and you know, we're referencing the, the, the podcast and, and the success that the podcast has had, but if somebody has a song that's on the chart for nine months and, or not, and you say they're lucky, if somebody loses you know, nine pounds in a month because they're working out and they're eating healthy. You would never say, hey, you're lucky. Yay. No, <laughs> of course not. You should. Of I, course not. I, I, I know you've been on the Peloton every day and you've been eating, you know, no calories. You're getting, and, getting good sleep and you're drinking enough water and yeah. doing all these difficult things. But ultimately, I'd like to remove all your progress and say it's luck. Oh, man, that's that one is going to stick with me for a while. Wow. I have been having a super hard time lately with my anxiety. It's something that we've been talking on the show the past couple of months, but it's really come to a head the past week or two. And the light at the end of the tunnel for me when dealing with my mental health is knowing that I have a great support team around me to help me get to the other side of it. And BetterHelp can help you do that. If you're someone that has had therapy on your list or you don't feel like yourself or you're really struggling, check out BetterHelp.com com slash upside. Here's what they do. They're going to ask you a couple of questions about yourself and they will hook you up with a licensed professional counselor that you can meet with via video or telephone from the comfort of your own home. And they have thousands of licensed and professional counselors to choose from. So if they pick someone for you and you don't mesh with them right away, they're going to be happy to hook you up with someone else. Start living a happier life today. As an Upside listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash Upside. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash Upside. Thrive Market is an online membership-based market. They're going to deliver food to your house. They're going to deliver healthy items like vitamins, stuff like that, supplements. Those will get delivered right to your door. Cleaning products products that are good for your body and the environment. Those come right to your door. Things for kids, babies, pets, all of it delivered right to your door. And because they're a membership based market, you're going to get member only prices. That means you're going to save on average over 30 bucks on every order. And membership isn't expensive. You can get a one month membership for $9.95 a month and that'll just renew every month as long as you want it. Or for $59.95, you get a 12 month membership that works out to be $5 a month. $5 a month to save on average 32 bucks per order. 
That, I'm saying, is a great deal. You don't have to be a math major to figure that out. Plus, you can get 25% off your first order and a free gift if you join today just for being an Upside listener. Join Thrive Market today to get 25% off your first order and an exclusive free gift. The only way to get this offer is by going to thrivemarket.com slash upside. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash upside to get the exclusive offer of 25% off your first order and a free gift. You can't get this offer anywhere else. Go to thrivemarket.com slash upside. Buying new underwear isn't really at the top of mind for me. It's always at the top of mind for Jeff. And he replaces his underwear every year, completely top to bottom, the whole drawer. Me, I kind of forget to think about it. And I noticed the other day that I have some super old underwear and it is time to get that out of my drawer and replace it with new, beautiful, soft, sustainable, breathable underwear from me undies. Now we got our package from me undies and I was so excited to have some new super soft underwear and loungewear. And here's what you're going to love. They have a range of sizes from extra small to 4XL. They have crazy prints or classic colors if you are like me and like to stick with what you know. Never leave your couch again with a me undies membership, a monthly subscription that sends new pairs right to your door. With site-wide savings and exclusive sales, you'll automatically pay less for everything. Me Undies has a great offer for upside listeners. Get 15% off your first order and free shipping by going to meundies.com slash upside. That's meundies.com slash upside. If you're not completely satisfied with any products for any reason, Me Undies will exchange it or refund it. No questions asked. Meundies.com slash upside. I know that I saw the notes that came over about the book and this is your Seventh book. Is that right? Seventh book. I've been very lucky. Seven books in a row. Very lucky. <laughs> I will. Um, and I, and I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but your book, uh, which was, was it two ago was do over two ago. Yeah. Okay. Do over was two ago. Yeah. So that book came out around the time that I was trying to sort out my own career. And I credit with that book with helping me transition to, and take a leap to uh to host my own show so um, yeah which is so kind of you to say i remember we had a long conversation i was in the dallas love airport um in the food court so it's probably loud on my end but yeah i remember having a long talk with you about this this new adventure and i was i was honored that i got to be part of the conversation yeah and it was just one of those perfect perfect timing things and um what i love about your your books uh and I think this is probably why you've been so lucky for, for six books and soon to be yeah. seven books is the concepts and the premise is simple and, and obvious. So you can easily wrap your arms around it, but they're all, it's all backed up by facts and data and research and, and logic that, uh, that's, that supports whatever the action is that, that, you know, like for this latest book to, you know, changing the soundtrack, whatever the action is, is backed up with, with support and research. So, you, so it's easy to embrace what you're, what you're sharing. Um, well, that, and, and you said, you talked about, you know, the kindness of your listeners. I've, I've benefited the same way in that I have generous readers. And so where my books have evolved in a, in a helpful way is 
Now when I have an idea in my office, I don't put that in a book. I put that into a challenge. And I say to my readers, hey, will you spend 30 days with me working on the, these ideas to see if they work or they could work even better or what doesn't work? And so I get to test them before I put them in a book. So by the time it hits the book, not only are the ideas better because I've worked with people who have tried them, but there's more examples that people can relate to. A book that just has me as the star of it is a pretty boring book because the only person that's going to help is me. Right. But a book that has 35 stories of other people, so a stay-at-home mom, an executive who's you know working on something, a college student, like those stories are there and you'll be able to see yourself in it, not just a version of me. And that, I hope, changes the conversation. I want to ask you about something that that was in the the notes from your publicist she she highlighted a few a few things that um you enjoy talking about and one of them involved business being a parent who has to travel a lot for business and how that soundtrack typically sounds i think and then how it can change and i'm wondering if that would apply to Callie who just went back to work two weeks ago after maternity leave. Cause I'm assuming that it has something to do with, with parent working parent guilt. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So for me, where that started with, I had um, a traditional job and was a corporate copywriter. And you know, that's what I, that's what I did. I was in marketing and then about eight years ago, started my own um, company and started to do more public speaking and, so my business travel went from zero days a year to, you know, 80 nights a year, which is a big jump. And I felt this tremendous guilt about it. And what I started to do was when I was going on a trip, I would say to my kids, I'm going to be gone. I'm so sorry. I'll be home in four sleeps. Like, oh my gosh, this is the worst. I'm the worst parent. And my, eventually my wife pulled me aside and said, when you do that, you're teaching them to be sad and scared. They said that kid doesn't even know to feel that way but they'll reflect what you put out. And that's actually scientific. It's called mirror neurons. Like kids have mirror neurons that mirror our emotions as a parent. She said, you feel guilty and you're making them hold that guilt. So she said, we're not mad you're going to work. Like go do your job. You're good at your job. You love your job. And that changed my ability to enjoy what I do, but I also enjoy being at home. And you know, we talk about those three questions. Is it kind? Think about that. Is it kind to my kids to say, hey, I'm leaving. This is terrible. It's not like because kids have no concept of time. So like me saying I'll be gone for two days. If you're a three year old could feel like forever. Right. Like, and now I'm, I'm adding all this drama and sadness. Is it kind to myself? So I get to do this amazing thing. I get to go to New York and speak at Comedy Central. And the first thing I feel is shame. That's not kind to me. And is it kind to my wife right before I leave to go? Hey, just want to stir up the kids' anxiety real quick. I'm out of here. Good luck. And so as far as the work from home situation, like if Callie was on, I'd tell her this directly. Like one, like be okay to process the feelings. Like give yourself some space. Like I, I told people one of the soundtracks they need to say this year is this is my first global pandemic. Like I'm sorry I'm not handling it very well, but this is my very first. Right. So like because no one, if I said to a hundred people have you gone through a global pandemic? No one would raise their hand. So for Callie, I'd say, I think a soundtrack that would be helpful for you is this is my first kid. This is my first re-entry into work. Like this isn't my fifth. It isn't my, it's not even my second. It's my first. So I'm going to give myself the grace to make some mistakes, to feel some feelings, whatever. 
And so like one, I would say that. And two, I would say celebrate that you get to go to work. And the reason I say that, like, I think as kids get older, we spend 18 years demonizing work and going, oh, I don't want to go in. I have to travel or whatever. We spent 18 years teaching our kids that work sucks. And then we're surprised when they graduate from college and don't want to get a job. Well, of course not. Eight. You've demonized work for 18 years. Like Callie's good at what she does. Like her ability to reflect that joy to your child helps that child. And and the other thing, the last thing I'd say is the only people I know who don't care about that are the people who aren't going to do a good job balancing that. It's same with like whenever somebody goes, I don't want to be too self-promotional with my work. I go, don't worry. The only people who aren't, who are too self-promotional never ask that question. So that Callie's processing that means that she cares about it. And so I think that's a great space to be. Have you processed the fact or the kindness level of, of your wife's thought, which is go travel as much as you want. We don't want you here. We like it better no. without you. Well, hey, they don't have a choice this year. Like my, my travel, my speaking events went from 50 a year to one. So like, we're, uh, they have plenty of John. Don't, don't worry. They're I'm ready. Very available. Well, thank you for the time. Thank you for, for the insight. Every time I talk to you, uh, I walk away with something that, that is, like I said, is so obvious, so clear once you say it that I never would have thought on my thought of on my own. So thank you for putting all the work in. Oh, that's so kind you said. Yeah. Thank you for putting all the work in to, to find those nuggets and, and to share them so selflessly. Appreciate it. Well, great. Well, next time I'm in Atlanta, hopefully we'll be able to, we'll be able to get together and have another coffee. Thank you for listening to the upside with Callie and Jeff. We hope you enjoyed this bonus episode. Most people learn about the upside from their friends. Please tell everyone you know about this podcast so the amazing Upside community can continue to grow. And one last thing, we would love to stay in touch with you by text. Text the word UPSIDE to 800-434-5454 and then save it in your phone as Callie and Jeff. If you enjoyed this conversation with John Acuff and you want to see more of his books, we've put links up to soundtracks and also do over his other book, the one that I referenced in this conversation that changed my life in our show notes. You can also find him online at acuff.me. That's A-C-U-F-F dot M-E. John Acuff, thank you so much for joining our show. We appreciate it. You are welcome to be a part of The Upside anytime. <laughs>